wings and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 86, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing pretty well, Brennan. How are you doing? I'm good. We've got an episode all about that thing which frightens you and me the most. That is mirrors. Which is funny because right now I have no mirrors in my house other than a small shaving mirror. And honestly, after uh, pre-reading some of these stories, thinking maybe I'll keep it that way. That is probably wise. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to accidentally uh, purchase a, an open portal, you know? With our luck, it's going to happen. Oh, completely. You will absolutely get Satan's own hand mirror. I, I could just see it you know, in the middle of the night. Oh, my God. Where did you come from? The mirror you recently purchased. I knew it. I knew it every <laughs> single time. I bought that car from my buddy Steve McQueen's kids. Oh, <laughs> everything is haunted. Everything's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get going, I do want to just say that we're not going to really talk about this because it's not our place. But we just want to say our hearts are with our American listeners right now. We know you guys are going through shit and we just want you all to be safe. So take care. Look after one another. Black lives matter. And I don't know why that's even up for debate, but this is the world we live in. Take care. Be safe. And, you know, stay strong. Yes, absolutely. I can't yeah. say it any better. And we've talked about this a little bit on uh, one of our patron supplements, but not in any great detail because, again, I, I don't think it's our place. And, and also, we just get so goddamn mad. So, yeah, we're, we're going to leave it there. We're thinking of you guys and we love you. We love all our listeners, but you guys need a little more right now. So, mm -hmm. there you are. Mm -hmm. With that out of the way, as we mentioned, this episode is going to be all about Haunted Mirrors. And we have a special thank you on this episode because uh, we always obviously thank our staff Luke, Anthony, and Sarah for helping us out. Uh, but on this episode, we got an assist from Paul Bestel of Mysteries yes, and Monsters. Yes. Yeah, Paul supplied some additional material that he found online for us, and it really came in handy. So thank you so much, Paul, for that. Paul, of course, was a guest on our show, I think, on episode 80, 82, 83, something like that. I, I'm bad at keeping track of these things. You're better than I am. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, it's we a have people writing in and they're like, what show was it when you discuss blah, blah, blah? And um, to one of them, I actually responded. I said, I have to be honest with you. The first time, a lot of times that I read those stories is when I'm actually reading them. And then as soon as it's done, I literally forget what I read. So you're <laughs> asking <laughs> yep. the wrong guy. I am like a goldfish in my memory retention for this stuff. I, I, to be honest, I have the same problem. Sometimes people say, tell me a scary story. And and we've told hundreds of them on the show over three years. And my mind just goes blank. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You know? Oh, tell well, me your favorite ghost story. And it's like, oh Lord, I don't even know where to start. We've talked before about how one of the greatest issues on this show is meeting someone in real life and starting a story and then having them say, oh no, I've heard that. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you mentioned you, that on your show. Oh, yeah. You told me, I know that story about you already. God damn it. <laughs> so... <laughs> But on this episode, luckily, we have stories you haven't heard, I hope, and I think it's going to be a good one. So, coming up after the break, objects in the mirror may be more haunted than they appear.
Welcome back. As we said before the break, this episode is all about haunted mirrors. But before we get there, uh, there was something I wanted to bring up. Uh, I was quite excited to bring up, but I realized after commenting on what's going on, it just seemed really tasteless. <laughs> to then go, and, well, yeah, this is particularly tasteless for me. <laughs> so, um, but my audiobook is out finally. Yay, that's awesome. Yes, it only took me four years and a global pandemic keeping me inside to complete it. And so the audiobook version of Strange Little Place is now available on iTunes, Amazon, and Audible. It is narrated by me. And so if you are interested, check it out. It's pretty much, if you've already got the hard copy, it's the book you know with an additional note on the audiobook. That's pretty much all that's different. Well, but, congratulations uh, on that. That's amazing. Thank you very much. Yeah. It, it's, man, it's been hanging over me for four years. I know it has. You've been talking about it a lot. So that's. I just, I, every time I started to record it, I would psych myself out because I would say, I would find issues with the audio quality. Not I find, you. I know. Hard to imagine, right? I would find problems and I would, okay, well, I got to fix this before I can go forward. And then I'd get pissed off and I'd stop. Yeah. Yeah. And so finally what I did is when I decided to commit to this, I did a sample and I sent it over to Steve from Hexagram and I said, be brutal. Tell me what the problems are. Yeah. And you know, is this an acceptable product? Cause right. uh, you know, he, he knows audio and, and Rachel knows audio books and right. they, they said, here's a couple things. Other than that, go for it. And awesome. so I did. And so I know they're listening. So thanks to Steve and Rachel for helping me get on track with that. And yeah, I, I got it all recorded. Then I kind of sat on my thumbs during the editing. So I thought I was going to have to do a bunch of re-recording. Mm -hmm. And I had to take a giant break in recording because obviously the sickness that you and I had in January. Oh, that really fucked my her. voice. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. About a month. Yeah. Anyways, finally got it done. Got it submitted. It is now available for sale. Yay. And so if you want to get it, Audible, Amazon, and iTunes, available everywhere. Find audiobooks are sold. <laughs> so, yes, I am done. I am done shilling for now. But well, again, congratulations. I, just, I will give you that shill with a free pass because <laughs> I know how much work that went in. I will not give you a hard time about it. But now you have to do mine. Uh, happily. I will happily do yours. <laughs> absolutely for a 90 10 revenue share yeah exactly and i'm sure there'll be a lot of editorial comments as well oh where'd you get that story <laughs> yeah that's right well this i was... wouldn't have written it like that but here's what he input well here's another chapter he wrote while watching netflix <laughs> but as we mentioned yes haunted mirrors with an assist by our friend paul from mysteries and monsters and uh, funny enough, I was thinking about this because you mentioned in the in the opening segment that uh, you don't have any mirrors in the house right now. Right. Yeah. And I have too many mirrors, actually. It, it never occurred to me that I had them. I kind of forgot about it. But we live on a ground floor mm -hmm. and we don't get a lot of natural light. You, I mean, you've seen my place. It's it's It can yeah, get quite yeah. dark during the daytime. So I was looking around for natural ways to brighten up your place if you don't get a lot of light. And they suggested mirrors because mirrors can sort of subtly reflect light you know the available right. light yeah so i went out to a secondhand store and i was just wandering around and i found this set of i think four or five round mirrors they look to be handmade i made them for each of my daughters who died <laughs> they drowned in the mill pond out back and then brennan buys them <laughs> i wish you'd mentioned that before i bought them jesus <laughs> It occurred to me, yeah, when I was putting together this episode, I, I looked around and I realized, oh, yeah, I have all these circular mirrors hanging around my house. Well, that's nice of you to provide multiple access portals. Well, that's the thing. And, and our bathroom has a giant mirror, too. And, and yeah. reading these stories, as, as you guys will hear, 
it does appear to some people the things move in and out of mirrors. Oh, so good job, Brennan. Maybe it's time I just buy more LED lights. And uh, <laughs> I love that you set up Grand Central for spooks. Yeah, of course I did. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll bury those mirrors in the salt mine. <laughs> Probably a good idea. One more thing before we get to the stories. The topic reminded me of something that happened to a friend of mine. And I've talked about this on the show before, but since it's mirror adjacent, I thought I'd bring it up for our new listeners. A friend of mine was doing house cleaning a couple years ago for various clients. And there was one house she used to clean out in Langford, which is a suburb of Victoria. Uh, I guess technically a separate municipality, but who cares? It's, it's outside of Victoria. But this house is out in the country. And she'd never felt weird there. Never felt off. Nothing at all. She, and one day she was there cleaning, doing her thing, listening to podcasts. The house was empty. And she was shining the bottom part of a mirror and she stood up and looked and she realized, oh, there's, there's a woman standing behind me. Right. And so she was surprised. She kind of jumped a little bit and went, oh, shit, you know, I I thought I was alone here. So she pulled out her headphones, turned around and say, hi, there was no one there except for what looked like kind of like a, a pillar of frosted glass. Oh, boy. About 10 feet away. And as she watched this pillar of frosted glass just kind of evanesced it was just gone oh boy yeah right and so she thought well that's strange and she called me you know pretty quick after because she said i i'm i don't know what to make of this because she's she's very spiritually sensitive person right right usually there's a feeling that precedes these things and this was just there wow it it was like there was a person in the room there's not a person in the room what the hell is that thing over there and that thing is now gone and she not wrote it off but she filed it away until I want to say a week or two later, I might be getting the timeline a little wrong, but it was after this happened. She turned up at the house to clean and the husband of the couple who owns the place, he was there and he saw her walk up the driveway and he said, oh, he said, I I thought you were already inside. And she's like, what? He said, yeah, I thought I saw you through the window inside the house. And she said, no, I just got here. And he goes, oh, oh, okay. I must have been mistaken. And he kind of waved it off. But you could tell it was very much, uh, you know, he, he this was on, something that was on his mind, but he was not going to talk about it with, uh, yeah. with the help. Yeah. <laughs> but it was probably something he'd experienced before. I, I would suspect so, yeah. 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 All right. Now, on to the stories. Listener story from Denise. I had my first memorable paranormal experience when I was in my late teens in Australia, where I grew up in the early 1980s. My friend Sarah and myself were out for a drive on a quiet Sunday afternoon when we decided to stop at a house that had been turned into an antique shop. We went in together, but while she was talking to someone who I assumed was the owner, I went to look around at everything. I went into a room full of objects that belonged in a woman's bedroom including a white Queen Anne-style dresser with brushes and mirrors. I sat on a stool in front of the dresser and picked up a beautiful old hand mirror. When I looked up, the reflection in the mirror was a woman of around 30 sitting behind me and smiling. Her hair was up. Her neck was covered in white lace. She looked solid and real. I turned to say to her how pretty the dresser and the pieces on it were, but there was no one there. The door was shut, and there was no chair or stool behind me for her to have been sitting on. I looked up to see if maybe it was a painting or a photo of the woman being reflected, but nothing. 
I suddenly felt very nauseous and extremely cold, which was weird because this was Australia and it was about 32 degrees outside. Almost stumbling, I left the room and went to find Sarah so that we could leave. I was close to tears. Sarah was still chatting to the man who owned the antique shop, and they both stopped talking to look at me. Sarah asked what was wrong, and the owner was concerned too. I asked if there was anyone else in the house looking at things, but there wasn't. Sarah asked if I'd seen someone, and so explained about the woman who disappeared in a split second. When I was done, the owner told me I was not the only person to have seen the woman. He took us outside to the back garden where there was a small, single grave with a headstone surrounded by a wrought iron black fence. There was a woman's name etched into the stone that read Elizabeth. We couldn't make out the surname, but it began with a B. The owner had bought the house along with the single headstone, but couldn't tell us anything about her other than she was buried there. After that experience, I began having the same cold, shivery, nauseous, sad feeling every now and then like a wave with no warning in houses and certain buildings. Wow. Right? If there's ever been an argument against antique stores, it's this. <laughs> Nameless ghosts who latch on and decide to follow you around. Thank you for sharing that with us, Denise. Yeah, that was a great story. I do have serious questions about the ability to bury someone on your property. I mean, that that seems strange that must be a whole i mean i understand it's australia and after having seen the the film wake in fright recently i know a lot more about australia than, than i care to <laughs> but um man that, that that's just some wild west stuff i'm pretty sure if, if you have a body buried on your property now it's you're just a serial killer yeah no that's not a good thing but yeah no back in the day um especially if you're on a rural property there was nowhere else to bury them where were you gonna put them oh yeah fair fair right? enough and you couldn't you couldn't um you couldn't cremate them or anything, so you had to bury them on your own property. You know, that reminds me of a story I heard while researching my book. No, it's fine. Oh, um, stop. <laughs> it was researching the book, but it's not in there. Uh, but I was I was interviewing this old fella, and he told me this story. He's probably the last living person to remember this story, so I, I'm glad I have it recorded. But there was this family that lived outside city limits way, way back in the day. I want to say in the 30s or 40s. Right, right. And... People noticed that the kids stopped coming to school. Right. So they the, they went out to go check on them. And, you know, the authorities at the time may have, may not have been at the time, may have been a little more recently. But uh, the father said, yeah, well, they died. You know, they got, they got sick and they all died. And I just buried them. Oh, my God. And the authorities said, uh, nope, that's not a thing that happens in this world. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. My, my, they just disappeared. You know how they do. They're yeah, kids, right? Come they're on. kids. Yeah. yeah. We don't even name them till they're eight. Yeah. 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 Because apparently <laughs> Rebel Stoke is a the middle ages. for diphtheria or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know if they reinterred the kids, but this was something that happened in my hometown in, uh, that in, is, in the last hundred years. So that is take, crazy that that actually it, happened. Yes. So, uh, yeah. A little insight into where I'm from. <laughs> in the dark as far as special abilities go i'm no superhero but i can see in the dark like a boss as long as there's the slightest bit of illumination i can see the rest of the room just fine which is how i came to see the thing in the mirror it started a couple months ago and so far as i can remember there was no inciting incident or anything else that might suggest why this is happening one morning i simply woke up around 3 a.m and when I looked at the mirror above my vanity, there was someone, well, something, reflected in it. To be clear, there was no one standing in front of the mirror, but there was sure something being reflected back. 
It was vaguely human, a body with arms and legs longer than an ordinary human, and white hands. Its head was a little on the small side. As strange as all that was, stranger still was the fact I couldn't see its face. As I said, I see well in the dark, and I could see the thing in the mirror plain as day, but there were no features on its head. It was as though they were being obscured by a dark even I couldn't see through. After that first sighting, the thing would come back whenever I went into the shower, like some kind of paranormal pervert. But now it started just standing there at all hours of the day and night. My mother has seen it too, so it's not just me going crazy. Apart from that, I have absolutely no idea what's going on. Is it wrong that the white hands made me think of Mickey Mouse? <laughs> I got caught up in the paranormal pervert part because I thought that was, <laughs> well, of course you did, that would yeah. be my new nickname for you. <laughs> yeah, it's just me in my Mickey Mouse costume. <laughs> oh, take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch. <laughs> anyway, oh God. How many listeners did that just lose us? Or how many how many letters from the Disney Corporation are we going to get now? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Cease and, and desist. desist. <laughs> no, I, I just throw it on the pile. Exactly. Yet another, yet another corporate brand that is paying me money to not associate with yeah. it. Put, put it with the others, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it came from the mirror. When you live in a small apartment, you very quickly get used to being next to other people. It's not that we like having a space as small as we do, but the city where my husband, son, and I live is an expensive one. And in order to stay here, we have to economize on space. That means the three of us live in a small place and share a king-sized bed. The bed is pushed against the wall, and it's there on the left side that my six-year-old son sleeps. I sleep in the middle, and my husband sleeps on the right. One of the few nice pieces of furniture I have is a large old wardrobe left to me by someone in my family. It's a beautiful thing with a full mirror running the length of one door. The wardrobe is positioned at the top of my bed, which means we sleep with our heads about a foot and a half away from it. That's where the trouble started. It happened one night, shortly after we'd all drifted off to sleep. We'd only been down for a few minutes when I felt something come out of the mirror and stand by my head. My eyes wouldn't open so I couldn't even see whatever this was. I only knew it was there by feel. It only took a few moments of whatever it was to go from standing above me to holding my shoulders down, then my wrists. Somehow I knew that whatever was happening wasn't sexual, but it still meant me harm. I struggled against the grip that held me, and that seemed to do it. Though I couldn't tell you how long it took, the oppressive force disappeared with a whooshing sound, and I was no longer being held. Opening my eyes, I could see nothing in the room had changed. My son was still sleeping in the corner of the bed, and my husband was snoring away. This has never happened again, but I've spent an uncomfortable amount of time staring at the mirror. For whatever reason, I'm dead certain that's where the entity came from, but I don't know if it was a spirit or an animal or something else entirely. It bothers me that I may never know. Uh, yeah, it, it bothers me too. Yeah, that would bother me 100%. <laughs> As you were telling that story, I was thinking about the whooshing sound, and I, I had just uh, this stray thought, and it occurred to me, what kind of sound would it make if something that occupied physical space suddenly vanished? Hmm. Because air would have to rush in to fill the space it left. Or, or a pop or something. Yeah. I just yeah. wondered, would it, would it be a whoosh? I, I, good question. Yeah. Science guys out there, our listeners, <laughs> any of our listeners have a more scientific bent. Uh, yeah. I know we have some lovely skeptical listeners who listen to the show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Would love to know because I, I just curious to know if something just disappeared, would there be that kind of 
whoosh, as as air came back in, or would as you say, would it be a popper? No, or it's interesting. Else it's an interesting uh, thought, actually. I, I got to say, I, I t- have total sympathy for these people. The living in a small space in an expensive city thing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we're really lucky because we have a, you know, we lucked into a two bedroom nine years ago, and because of the various restrictions on raising rent, we're still paying a very low price. That's great, considering current. Oh yeah, absolutely, considering current market value. But um, when I was in New York in February, I remember talking to a Lyft driver, and he was telling me that him and his two boys and his wife live in a one bedroom apartment. And that's obviously that's all they can afford. And I mean, right. he, this guy works constantly and him and his wife share the master bedroom and the boys have sort of a curtained off area in the living room with bunk beds. Wow. Eh? And I thought, holy shit, I am lucky because, yeah. you know, we, we have, again, not a huge apartment, but it's two bedrooms. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just makes you appreciate space on, on a whole different level. It really does. And, and, and where you get to live. Yeah. On the bright side, though. Oh, no, I was going to say theoretically with that many, with that little space, there shouldn't be any room for ghosts, but these people <laughs> had that problem. So I, I guess I am wrong. You are wrong. It doesn't take a, a large, empty Victorian house to spawn a ghost. The Nice Man. Last year, we bought a house on a cul-de-sac in the suburbs. Being that I grew up a punk rocker in a major American city where that was actually a thing you could do, I never saw myself as the type to head out for the burbs, but here I am. Marriage does funny things to a guy. That's not really relevant to what's been happening with my daughter, but I wanted to mention so you understand that I came up tough, and even in my softened suburban form, don't have any patience for nonsense. I deal with the world as it comes. Lately, it's been real weird. My daughter Emily is three years old now, and as I've learned, kids babble. It's just a thing they do, and for the first two years, Emily was no exception. She turned two shortly after we moved into the house, which we picked up after the previous owner, a 101-year-old man, had died inside. That fact didn't bother me. Everyone dies, and if this poor fellow taking his final breaths meant we got a deal on a house, well, it wasn't all for naught. It's a nice house, and we've taken good care of it this past year while Emily toddled around making noises. It was my wife who first noticed that Emily would only make those noises in front of mirrors. Emily turned three a few months ago, and she's still talking to mirrors, but now that she's actually speaking, my wife decided to ask her who she's talking to. Without missing a beat, my three-year-old daughter looked into the mirror, looked back at my wife as if it was the dumbest question she'd ever heard, and said, The man. He's nice. Pass-through. My story isn't very complicated or anything, but it's still something I struggle to understand. I live with my parents, and their house is haunted. It's not really a subject up for debate with the family, they just accept it to be true. Everyone who lives there sees something, as do visitors who stay the night, or even just late into the evening. My room happens to be the most haunted in the house, lucky me, and the way things manifest is via the long dressing mirror hung on the wall. It's a Walmart special, not some haunted antique, but at nighttime I can see shadows moving around the room and to the mirror, at which point they stop. Sometimes I can also see what appears to be moving shadows in the reflection, which are not in the room with me, almost as if the other side of the mirror is a parallel world the shadows are moving in. I'm young, but I'm not a witchy kind of person and have never tried to contact the other side. The paranormal just seems to be something that happens around here, but this, with the mirror, I truly don't understand. You had thoughts? Yeah, I just think it's kind of cool, but again, it's not, you know, we just talked about the Victorian house thing, uh, spawning ghosts, and and people often get an idea that it's got to be this, you know, ancient piece of mottled silver window uh that you know type of mirror but it's not it can really just simply be um a walmart special like you said yeah yeah 
And I think that's something that people forget, you know, because we, we do have a lot of people who write in and, and talk about having issues in their house. But let's say, well, I've, I've checked the history of the property. It's the first house to be there. And, and right. I, think, I think paranormal shows have gone a long way towards sort of inspiring people to do that, to just say, you know, check the history of the property. As yeah. you, th- yeah. That show you like. Does yeah, it. yeah, the dead uh, balls. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and well, I do think there is sometimes a connection between historical circumstances and what's going on with these these anomalies. I don't think the two are always related. In fact, right. I think they are related less often than we'd like to think they are. Mm-hmm. We seem to have this idea that something has to be sort of uh, fancy in order for it to to kind of matter or to like make an impact. Right. Fancy ornate mirror or really ornate history or crazy history, mm-hmm. but. Sometimes, man, shit's just weird. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's okay. Taken. This story happened to my family in the mid-1990s in Mexico. My mother and father always both worked, so didn't have time to worry about housework or the day-to-day tasks involved in childcare, so they would hire nannies. These women would come and go, and I don't remember many of them except for Rita. Rita was 16 and beautiful. I'm embarrassed to admit I had a little boy's crush on her, and she was very sweet to me. Most of what I'm about to tell you is second-hand knowledge told to me by my parents in the years since it happened. At the time, I was too young to understand much of what was going on. All I knew at the time was that Rita was a kind, bubbly girl when she started working for us, and then something changed. My parents told me that she was also a very hard worker and managed to clean our house, which was not small, at an impressive pace. All that started to change, they said, with the arrival of the mirror. This mirror was a massive Victorian-era antique, gifted to my family by business associates. It was so large, the only place it fit was at the top of our grand staircase on the second floor landing. I can still remember the mirror, its huge, carved, golden-colored frame dwarfing me as I walked up the stairs. It never bothered me, but apparently it did bother Rita. My parents said that within a week of its arrival, they would notice Rita stealing glances at it from whenever she happened to be cleaning. In time, her work suffered, as she did less work and spent more time simply staring into its vast, glassy surface. For my part, I remember she became less playful and more preoccupied. She was never cruel or short with me, but she changed. Finally, a day came when all she did was stare into the mirror, not moving or speaking. She was still there when my parents came home from work and still refused to speak. My parents alerted Rita's family who came to take her home, but she didn't go easily. All she wanted to do, it seems, was look in that mirror as if hypnotized. She never returned. My parents told me later that Rita's family took her to see a bruja. She'd said nothing could be done, that something in the mirror had taken her and she could not come back. For days she remained unresponsive. My family were Catholic, but respected the Bruja. They knew the mirror couldn't stay where it was, but owing to its status as a gift from important associates, it couldn't be discarded either. They decided it would be moved into the basement, and a crew was hired to do the job. It was during the moving process that one of the crew members slipped, and the mirror was dropped, shattering into a thousand tiny fragments. Father was furious, but at least the matter of what to do with the mirror was settled. Broken. It was acceptable to discard it, and so the workman took it away. That night, the call came from Rita's family, telling us she had passed, having suffered a convulsive fit earlier in the day. To no one's surprise, 
her time of death coincided with the breaking of the mirror. Now that is a great story. Yeah, it's a little too great. Yeah, yeah, that that was my thought too. Yeah, it kind of it kind of nails down every single nail in that coffin, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very tidy. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I think it would make a great B grade movie, but you know the kind you enjoy. But um, (laughs) especially with the lovely Rita. Um, But uh, Mm. yeah, I'm like, "Hmm." but I like it as a story. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's a great story. It kind of reminds me there's that little bit, uh, speaking of movies, you brought this on yourself. Oh, no. There's that Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves. Have you yes, seen that one? Yes, I have and actually right, seen that one. Oh, sweet. Wow. We, we I hit know. On the, the one movie you've seen. <laughs> and uh, there's that scene right at the beginning where they use a mirror to draw a demon out of a little girl. Yeah. And it's a giant ornate mirror, which yeah. they then smash. Yeah. So yeah. maybe someone just saw that and thought, well, okay, that's close. We'll yeah, let's say that together. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> Good story, though. It is, yeah. And yeah. the giant ornate mirror reminds me, too, of uh, the Copper King Mansion bed and breakfast in Butte, Montana. Right. The haunted place you stayed in. Yeah, where I was the only guest in the house. And the the people who own the place live in, like, the guest quarters, which is kind of to the side of the house. Because <laughs> they know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So it's just me alone in this giant house. And I remember walking out to the hallway to use the bathroom at night. And there was an enormous mirror that was much larger than me and had that giant ornate golden kind of, I mean, it might even be Victorian. I'm not sure. But that big sort of carved golden painted frame. And it was yeah. just, oh man, looking into that thing in, a, in an empty house that I didn't understand at the time was haunted at midnight. Zero stars. I do not recommend. <laughs> yeah. This. See, if I was in that house and had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I would have just peed out the window. <laughs> there would have been no nocturnal wanderings for me they did have an antique chamber pot in there maybe i should have a, a I pulled, out the, <laughs> pulled out the crappy bunch of dried flowers that undoubtedly were in there and <laughs> you're right and, uh, yep and i would have just <laughs> pissed in there and quietly gotten rid of it in the cold clear cleansing light of day <laughs> oh man i lit out of that place at four in the morning oh i can't even imagine I, fo- I couldn't sleep. I woke and up. I'm sure they were quite used to that sort of thing. Oh, I have no doubt. Yeah. I just left a note on the kitchen table. Thank you so much for your hospitality. I had to leave. And <laughs> I hit the Montana highway at 80 miles an hour and did not look back. Nope. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The Lady. When I was six years old, I started to have nightmares about a short woman who had no face. Her entire head was draped in shadow, like a nun's habit or the kind of head covering some elderly women wear here in Serbia. It would happen several nights a week and would begin with her emerging from the mirror in the main hallway, which hung just outside my bedroom. 
Once she had emerged, she would come to me, and it felt as though she was coming to get my sister Petra, who was four years younger. She never touched me, though, and it felt as though she could never get to Petra if I was there. I can't tell you how traumatizing these nightmares were. Please understand I am referring to them as nightmares because it helps me deal with the emotions they provoke, but this happened while I was awake. The woman would enter my room and I would hide under the covers to wait for morning. In time, however, the fear of the nightmares began to creep into my waking life. I began to feel her presence whenever I passed the mirror in the hallway, and eventually all the mirrors in the house. Getting up to use the bathroom at night became an exercise in terror. The thing about terror, though, is it cannot be a permanent state. Either you overcome it and live your life, or you break. And eventually, I overcame my fear of the woman. She would make her appearance, and I would simply turn over and go back to sleep. Sometime between the ages of 10 and 11, she also became visible to my younger sister, who until then had been blissfully ignorant. Petra was not able to ignore these visits, and from where her bed was situated in the room, could actually see the woman appear from the mirror. For her sake, we began sleeping with the hallway door closed. That wasn't enough, though, and eventually we stopped using the bathroom at night unless we both went, refused to look at any mirrors in the dark, even going so far as to remove the TV from our bedroom because it was reflective when turned off. Our parents were uncertain of how to deal with our behavior, but at the same time refused to believe us when we talked about our intruder. As Petra aged into her visitations, I seemingly aged out, and in the 11 years between then and now, I maybe had those nightmares half a dozen more times. Owing to various circumstances, I'm back living with my family for a while, and while I'm back sleeping in my childhood room, the dreams haven't returned for me, but the hallway still makes me uncomfortable. Then two days ago, my father woke us both around 7 in the morning. At first, we thought something was seriously wrong, as he's not usually a morning person, and he was shaking us awake with a strange look in his eyes. He asked us point-blank to tell him about the ghost we used to see as little girls. We told him as much as we remembered, but left out the fact that she was short, and he told us he had just seen that very woman next to his bed. He added that she had been quite small, confirming it was the same spirit or entity or whatever it was. It was a relief to have our visions confirmed, though frustrating it took so long. Thinking about it, it's almost surprising it took this long, as our parents have a huge mirror on the door of their closet, which faces his side of the bed. Our father asked us what he should do the next time the woman turns up, and we said to close his hallway door and sleep facing away from the mirror. That wasn't enough for him, though, and he decided the best thing would be to break the hallway mirror and discard it. He wouldn't listen when we said that was probably a bad idea, but agreed to put off making a decision for a while. That night she came for him. Petra and I were awoken by the sound of my father's screaming, which is something I'd never heard before. We ran to his room. He was frantic but alone, and when he had finally calmed down, we learned he had felt something climb up on his side of the bed and begin pressing him down into it. He opened his eyes to see a shadow above him just for an instant, then it was gone. I suspect it was the woman, furious at the prospect of us breaking or discarding the mirror, which is either her home or her entryway into our home. Now we have no idea how to proceed. If we discard the mirror, will that solve the problem? If we break it, will she be angry and try to hurt us? There is very little help in situations such as these. Good luck with that. Maybe move. I love, though, that the dude's response to this is just, we're going to break the mirror. That's, right? That is such yep. a dude response. Yeah. And especially after not believing his daughters all those years. That's infuriating. I was going to comment on that, but yeah, it, what a boring trope at this point. Well, it's one of our pet peeves. Like, it doesn't oh, even oh, yeah. need to be said at this point. I think anyone who listens to the show knows it's interesting, though, that we've had yet another kind of um, unexpected connection between these stories, because these stories are 
randomly sourced online. Right. Um, but this is the second time we've had something coming from a mirror with its face shrouded. True. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm really curious to know, uh, once this goes out into the world, if any of our listeners have had their own experiences with mirrors. Mm-hmm. And it was particularly with this sort of shrouded head thing, because I don't know, that that somehow freaks me out worse than straight up shadow people. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. Why, I don't know why. Is it just because it, it seems at that point like it's intentionally hiding something. Right. That could just be my, my interior sense of paranoia. Probably. Well, I mean, I'm a very paranoid man. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine recently and uh, there's this one stretch of woods. I'm sure you know it. It's just north of Mount Doug here in Victoria. Yes, I know you, exactly what you're talking about. Okay. So there's this long stretch of woods and I, I had to deliver up there last night. So I, I was texting my friend, you know, after, after I dropped my order off, I said, oh, I just drove through this corridor of woods up by X and I don't like driving up through there. And my friend said, well, it's funny. They said, because I actually tend to feel protected up there. Oh, interesting. I feel, I mean, it's a long stretch of woods and it's dark, especially last night. It's it was a dark, full moon, yeah. but yeah. The, the woods were very dark. And my friend said, no, I, I tend to feel very protected up there. And, and I said, oh, you know, maybe it's just that I interpret everything as a potential threat <laughs> because I am technically a terrified field mouse. Like that is my spirit animal. For the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's on my family crest. <laughs> so next up, we're going to break the format up a little bit because what we found with researching haunted mirrors is that there's not a ton of material out there. Quite frankly, even the longer stories we found, some of them, they can really be boiled down into a couple sentences. So what we're going to do is we've just got four short little stories that we're going to alternate on, and then we will talk about afterwards if we need to. So Ian, would you like to take the first one? Sure. One night I was trying to figure out how to set up the answering machine we just bought for our living room. It was a mystery to me and I was getting pissed off. So I placed the phone down and looked up. On the wall above the phone was a mirror. And in that mirror, I saw an older woman, long blonde hair, wearing what looked like a white nightgown walking behind me. I thought someone had broken into the house, so I spun around, but there was no one there. And when I turned back to the mirror, she was gone. My friend's house is haunted, but all that ever happens is little stuff. Things move, you hear sounds, and so on. It's an old house built by two brothers in 1843, so who knows why these things happen. One night we were messing around in the living room where there's a large ornate antique mirror hanging across from the bathroom. I was standing in front of that mirror when I saw, in the reflection, a black mist in the shape of an arm reaching out from the bathroom. One day while in my room in our house in Auckland, New Zealand, I saw something move out of the corner of my eye. There was nothing to see when I looked except for my mirror, so I kept on doing what I was doing, but eventually saw the movement again. This time when I looked up, there was an old gray face in the mirror, looking as though it was standing right behind me. But there was no one there when I turned around. But when I went back to the mirror, it was still there, staring back. And I, I got to say, just before I get to this last story, that bothers me. Because <laughs> it didn't disappear. <laughs> right? No, no one told the ghost, here are the rules, man. Here's the rules. Once we see you, you got to go. <laughs> There's an orchestra hit, cut to the next scene. Yeah, if exactly. you're still there, you're being a real dick about this thing. <laughs> My family took a seaside vacation last year, and at one point during the night, I woke up and couldn't get back to sleep. From where my bed was situated, I could see into the bathroom, and for whatever reason, something kept drawing my gaze there. Finally, in the dim, I could make out the faintest outline of a gray silhouette reflected in the mirror. Everyone else was asleep in their beds, but someone or something was being reflected back at me. 
I covered my head and went back to sleep. When we got home to Pennsylvania, I thought I was home free, but a couple nights later I had that feeling again and felt my attention drawn to the flat screen TV in the room. The screen isn't reflective, it's more of a matte finish, but the frame is, and sure enough, I began to see a gray outline of what looked like a face with black eyes. It remained there till morning despite the changing light and was gone by the time I returned in the afternoon. Now I put a blanket over my screen when I'm not using it. I hope that's enough. That's a long time to be standing there, though. That that ghost is either really, really bored or really, really high. Just not a whole lot going on, maybe. Yeah, That could be, yeah. You're yeah. dead. You, you can't change the channels on the television. Although I wonder if you're dead if you get to watch all the old programs that are no longer on new television. <laughs> I don't think so. I think you're stuck watching whatever anybody else in the room is watching. Because otherwise, why would they mess with the remotes all the time and change channels and stuff? By God, it makes sense. It does, doesn't it? Black Mirror. My mother is a psychic, and so to a certain degree, I'm used to weird things happening around the house. I've heard my name being called, the cabinet door slamming in the middle of the night, and seen objects fly off shelves. It was never scary, just annoying, and the only time I even bothered to acknowledge it was if I needed to get to sleep, in which case I would loudly announce that I wanted to be left the hell alone. Only one event really got to me, and that was the Black Mirror. Ever since then, I sleep with a little light on just in case. This happened about five years ago. In my room at the time, the bed was in the corner, and against the opposite wall was a desk with a mirror situated in such a way that I could see the mirror while laying down. That's your first mistake. <laughs> One particular night, I couldn't sleep to save my life. I tossed and turned all night until it hit about 2 or 3 a.m. When I was laying on my back and sort of absently gazing in the direction of the desk and the mirror, I used to struggle to sleep with any light on in my room at all, so the room had blackout curtains, tape over the LED display on my cable box, the whole nine yards. It was as dark as a room gets, and yet, while looking at that mirror, I saw in it the outline of a head and shoulders even darker than the room around it. Despite all my experience with the strange and unusual, seeing this thing in front of that mirror paralyzed me with fear, and at exactly that time that I saw the shape, it began to move towards me. Because of what she does, my mom taught me that if I ever feel threatened, I should picture myself surrounded by and saturated in white light. So my instincts kicked in, and I did exactly that. I closed my eyes, visualized that protection, and when I opened them again, the shape was gone. There was still an uncomfortable air about the room, however, so I went to wake up my mom and ask her to clear my room. I didn't tell her exactly what had happened, just that something felt off. But the moment she walked in, she gasped. You've seen something, haven't you? She said. I told her I had. Whoever they are, Mum said, they're still here. After that, she saged the room heavily. The air cleared, and I was able to sleep. I no longer sleep with a mirror in my room. And let that be a lesson to you. Uh, yeah. When I read that thing about, oh, I could see the mirror from where I was lying down. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me, as a little kid, my bedroom, I could, I had a big antique dresser with a giant mirror on it and i could see it from laying down i was a dumb kid yeah you were making all the good moves that's for sure and it's carried through into adulthood now that i think about all my mirrors okay yep you know i saw the, t the title of this one black mirror and there's this uh, meme going around i might have been a tweet but someone said uh really brilliant that netflix managed to have us experience season six of black mirror instead of just showing it on television right brilliant really oh no kidding <laughs> aliens are next oh don't just don't <laughs>
going back to the story though, I do think telling your kid there's an entity in its room at like three in the morning is a great way to make sure they clean their room. <laughs> you know? Oh, there's but, uh, something in here. It's pretty bad. You, It's attracted to the clutter. But then again, um, nice to have a parent who actually believed her kid. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Must, one of the virtues, I guess, of having uh, uh, your mother be a psychic. Yeah, no kidding. The eyes. I got engaged early, at 19 to be exact. And this story begins when my fiancé, now husband, gifted me with a custom t-shirt. It was tie-dye gray and black with a mandala design in the center, and beneath that was my full name and the date we had gotten engaged. The shirt was on the large side, so I decided to make it my night shirt and put it on just before bed. At the time, I was living with my mom in our old big homestead next to a huge pear orchard, so when I settled into bed, it was the same bed I'd spent a large portion of my teens sleeping in. Most of the time I slept with the door open, but that night I closed it so I could admire my new shirt and the full-length antique mirror on the other side. Then I lay down and tried to sleep. Maybe five minutes passed before I started to feel almost feverish. My skin prickled before I began to feel cold and clammy, and then my breath became labored. It was when I tried to get up that I realized I couldn't move, and shortly after that I felt a presence. I couldn't see it, but there was a kind of electricity flowing just above me, pressing me into the mattress. In almost blind panic, I finally pulled myself from the bed only to see two green glowing almond-shaped eyes staring back at me from the mirror on the door. I screamed and pulled open the door, running to my mother for comfort. Oddly, my brother who was home visiting and in bed while all this was happening never reacted at all. But mom knew something was up. Even back then, I was a serious person who didn't invent things, so she took me seriously, and together we went upstairs to examine the mirror. Of course, the eyes were gone, but still mom decided it was time for the mirror to go. And so together we took it off the door and went downstairs and out to the burning pile in the yard, halfway between us and the surrounding orchard. The mirror went on the ground. Weeks before, we had taken apart our crumbling flagstone patio and the wrecked stones were piled next to the house. Mom took one of them and heaved it into the middle of the prone mirror, and it landed with a thunk. She picked it up and heaved it again, harder, but still the mirror wouldn't break. It wouldn't even crack. Over and over, my mother hammered the surface of that mirror until finally it shattered, and she burned the remains of the frame. My mother does not mess around. The following morning, my brother asked why we'd lit the fire so late the night before, but I wasn't in any hurry to try and explain, so Mom just hand-waved the question away, and that was that. The subject didn't come up again for years, until a night when my brother and I were both home visiting, and we stayed up late chatting. Eventually, the conversation turned to the strange and unusual, and I told him about that night in the mirror. A look came over him, and he asked if that was the same night Mom had had the late-night fire. I said it was, and then for the first time I heard his experience of that night. He had slept through my screams. It was the fire that woke him, the smell of wood smoke in particular. He rolled over in bed and looked out his window to see us at the fire with smoke winding its way up the house past his room. He said that as the fire burned and the smoke climbed, he heard a terrible, desperate clawing sound that grew in intensity as the flames died away. When the smoke was gone, so was the sound. He said he hadn't wanted to tell us at the time because it was, frankly, unbelievable. When my mother passed, I took over possession of our family home in the trees and have never again experienced anything strange or unusual. There are times, though, as the sun dips toward the horizon and the shadows in the orchard grow long, I wonder what exactly happened to us that night, and whether it will ever find us again. Another story where mom just said, okay, we're going to do something about this right goddamn now. Yeah, mom's kind of a badass. 
Yeah, and, and I got to say, I'm a little more in favor of the way mom dealt with this in terms of breaking the mirror. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't like, oh, man, this isn't a problem until it happens to me. Well, let's smash it. It was, oh, there's an issue with this giant, terrifying mirror. Well, that's fine. The giant, terrifying mirror has just lived its last day. Exactly. Yeah. And let's take care of it. I, I will say, though, it was another situation where I was a little bit dubious about the, the brother's story. Right. You know, I mean, if, if he had told her before he, he she had told him, I'd right. be a little more inclined. But the fact that he told her that afterwards, I don't know. That's just a skeptic in me. Listener story from Bree. My second story isn't mine, but a friend's. I'll tell the story just as she told me, and for the sake of privacy, I've changed the names. So to begin, my friend Allison has a four-year-old son, Oliver. Oliver has always been the chillest baby and toddler. He sleeps through everything, is completely relaxed, and rarely cries. Oliver also loves superheroes and has a few costumes that he likes to wear. Allison remembered that there was a mirror in the basement that came with the house and thought Oliver would like to have it in his room so that he can see himself in his costumes. Not long after she put the mirror in his room that she started to see some dust particles in the baby camera she kept in his room as well. At first she thought nothing of it, until several nights in a row she saw one large orb that she still believed to be a dust particle. However, it was quite large and moved in a strange way. It came up from behind Oliver's bed, went over the bed, and moved in a figure-eight pattern over and over again until the orb seemed to fade out. She remembers seeing it on the baby camera three nights in a row, and though she thought it was unusual, she didn't investigate any further. Later that week, when she put Oliver to bed at 8.30, she returned downstairs to watch TV. She said that three hours later, she checked the baby camera just to make sure Oliver was still sleeping, and to her surprise, Oliver was sitting up in bed awake. Now, this is a child who normally sleeps like a rock every night. Nothing wakes this kid up. But for some reason, he was awake and staring straight at the camera. Allison said his face looked terrified, and he was silently mouthing to the camera, Mama, Mama, Mama. Thinking he must have had a nightmare, which would be his first, Allison went upstairs to his room. Is everything okay, Oliver? And Oliver looks at her in a guttural voice coming from the back of his throat and says, I am the real ghost. I am the real ghost. I am the real ghost. Oh, okay. Um, do you want a nightlight on, sweetie? Oliver then answers completely normal again and just says, No, mommy, I just want to go to sleep. So Allison tucks in her son and goes back downstairs. The next day, she took the mirror out of his room and turned it around to face the wall in the basement. This occurred a few months ago, and she says she hasn't noticed anything else since. I'm not sure if this is related, but this past week while playing with Oliver, he told me unprompted, my sister likes to play with me. Oliver is an only child, and thinking he's using his imagination, I say, oh, is your sister nice? Sometimes, he says, she plays with me at night. Last night she played with me, and then she wanted to go to Mama and Papa's room, and I said, no, don't go, but she went. One time she hit me, and I told her to go away. Well, that isn't very nice, I said. Is she nice to you now? Hmm, sometimes she's nice, and sometimes she's mean, he answered. Then he promptly ran around singing Baby Shark, and the topic was dropped. I asked Allison if Oliver had mentioned a sister before, and he started bringing her up just this week. I'm not sure if it's just a kid's imagination, or even if he's seeing a girl at night, if this instance would be related to the mirror. So thank you for that story, Bree. And mm -hmm. I know she sent that a little while ago, and um, we held on to it for the mirror episode. 
And based on what we've seen in this episode, sure, anything is possible when mirrors are involved. <laughs> no kidding, eh? Any manner of, of terror and madness. I, I got to <laughs> say, uh, now what was the mother's name? Allison. She did a hell of a job when he did the whole I am the real, real ghost thing. Oh, just yeah. Keeping it oh, together. Sweetie. Yeah. Well, do, would you like a nightlight? Yeah. <laughs> this is all normal. <laughs> I would have blasted that kid out the airlock so fast. <laughs> yeah. This is why Nathaniel and Kiki are scared of you. That's fair. That's why a lot of people are scared of me. <laughs> I have a very well-honed self-survival instinct. There you go. I don't have to run that fast, just faster than you, right? Yep. <laughs> Anything frightens me, even the slightest. Airlock. <laughs> Cats jump out of me. Airlock. Yeah, you could not have had a self-destruct button in your apartment. <laughs> no, no, it's gone. The apartment's gone. The whole building's gone. I'm pressing it now just because thinking about it is making me scared. That's right, because you never know. Nope. It, we cannot be sure. Nope. So thanks again for sending that into us, Bri. I hope that uh, hope things have settled down. I mm-hmm. I don't like the the being mean to him thing. In all seriousness, no, that, no, that worries me. Yeah, that's not good. Scratches. This will be our last story for tonight. Though I'm an artist, and the creative process seems to at times flirt with a kind of unseen madness, I've never been a believer in what most people call the paranormal. Everything happens for a reason. I would tell myself. And so when my friends would tell me so-called spooky stories, I could appreciate their power but not buy into their reality. That has changed, and I'll tell you why. Being an artist is a great way to live as long as you don't mind being broke most of the time. You meet interesting people, have incredible conversations, and live in places which are affordable, and by that I mean often in bad parts of town. It doesn't matter what town, that's a maxim that holds up across the board. The part of the city I live in now isn't the worst spot I've lived in, but it's on the list a corner apartment in a neighborhood just across the train tracks from a crumbling industrial area. As I mentioned, I'm an artist, and have been experimenting with painting on different surfaces, especially mirrors and glass. And recently it occurred to me I may just find one or the other in some of the empty buildings across the tracks. It took a little convincing, but my friend Miriam agreed to join me, and together we set out looking for treasure. The first building we went into was also the place I found the mirror, and if that wasn't already a little too easy, when we entered we both felt unsettled. It's hard to explain exactly why. There was no one there, but somehow we weren't alone, if that makes sense. The mirror was a fair size and in pristine condition, frame and all. I took it and it turned out to be the only worthwhile thing we found in all our searching, something that, in hindsight, should have been another red flag. Back at the apartment, I took the frame apart and polished the mirror to a shine before using my oil paints to paint a portrait of Miriam on it. It was a beautiful portrait, if I do say so myself, and once it was done, we left it to dry on a tarp on the floor and moved on to other things. She finally left around midnight, and I passed out shortly thereafter. It was after I woke that things went sideways. The tarp on the floor was torn, and my loving portrait of Miriam appeared to have been vandalized, scratched from the top to bottom and back again, the grooves looping over themselves in cruel diamond patterns. The parts of the painting not marred by scratches were dotted with pinpricks, as though someone had laid upon the surface to do their horrible work. The scratches themselves were evenly spaced and grouped. Imagine something like a small rake or a huge fork. It's not a comforting thought. Being that my apartment is in this city's equivalent of Batman's crime alley, it wasn't inconceivable that some nefarious art critic had broken in to give his thoughts on my work before lifting the stereo, but everything was where I'd left it. It couldn't have been an animal either, as everything was shut up tight, and in order for some of the scratches to be made, that animal would have needed foot-long arms. Finally, I checked my brushes to see if perhaps something there could have caused the scratches, but there was nothing unusual about them. I was baffled. 
The only thing I knew for sure was that I was scared and I no longer wanted that mirror in my apartment. In the basement of our building, there's a series of storage closets, one for each of the renters, and ever since that day, the painting has been down there, hidden away in the dark. It's hard for me to go down there now. It feels uncomfortable, somehow. Like I'm all by myself, but not alone. And that's why we don't go dumpster diving in abandoned buildings. And taking ornate old mirrors, yes. Yeah. Oh, someone left behind this monkey's paw. Well, let's see what happens with this. <laughs> nothing Jesus. nothing bad could happen. Why did that crucifix I found in the dumpster just keep turning upside down? It's so yeah, weird. It just keeps inverting itself. That's, so weird. I'm sure this is fine. <laughs> Time to go antique shopping. <laughs> Jesus. And, and the fact that they kept it, too. I mean, this is the other side of the thing. Like, sometimes you just got to, was it you kill your darlings? Was that the Ginsburg That's thing? That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and if, especially if one of your darlings happens to be a painting on a haunted mirror. <laughs> Some free advice from us Word. here at the Ghost Story Guys. Words of advice. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for our Haunted Mirrors episode. This has been a lot of fun. And if you have any stories, we'd love to hear them. Send them to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. If anything you've heard today sounds like an experience you may have had, again, get a hold of us and let us know. There are other ways to reach us, and we'll talk about those in the next segment. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their help on this and every episode. We couldn't do it without you. And thanks again to Paul Bessel of Mysteries and Monsters for contributing some supplemental material that really helped fill out the show. All right. First up, we're going to have our patron shoutouts. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our latest patrons. They are Melanie, Ruth Dempsey, Mary Rose WW. Joe Wilson, Zach M, Jason Gossett, Rhonda Sheen, and Sarah. Thank you so much, guys. Again, we can't tell you how much we appreciate your support, especially in this time, and it really helps. You guys have helped me get through uh, get through Turducken in a way that would have been much more difficult if I didn't have this. And you also help pay for the show. You pay for our food when we when we record. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we don't, so (laughs) it just, it means the world to us. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And if you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. That's patreon.com slash ghost story guys. We have tiers at the one, five, 10, 20 and $50 levels gets you access to all kinds of things, including exclusive stickers designed by Vancouver Island artist, Wanda Fraser, our monthly cabin fever episodes where it's just me and Ian hanging out, talking about all the social stuff that doesn't fit into the main show anymore. Uh, our, was it chicken talk or a chicken mm-hmm. update, mm-hmm. Chicken which update. seems to have become a thing in the beginning of the month where Ian talks <laughs> about his chickens <laughs> and, and uh, it's sort of like a mini cabin fever because the cabin fever episodes run about anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes. You could call this coop fever. Boo. I know. I'm Get sorry. Stage. <laughs> <laughs> and these run about anywhere from 10 to 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, you also get early access to Luke's Luke Lore podcast, which is a companion show where he talks about the folklore subject of his choosing. It comes out every month and it is available to download everywhere you get your podcasts, but patrons get it 30 days ahead of the public. 
There's also things like our monthly live show for $10 patrons, which is actually really taking shape nicely. The whole staff is there. It's me and Ian, uh, Sarah, Anthony, and Luke. And we just share some links of things we've seen, fun, crazy pictures, creepy history. It's a, a video live show. And it's it's really turning into something that's a ton of fun. And we, we just love when people turn out for that. So that that's at the $10 level. And there's all kinds of other stuff, including art cards with my night photography. And of course, Ian's smash hit, Christian Country album, Aware of Wonder. Speaking of which... Uh, this is a surprise even to Ian, because he does not know about this oh, at all. no. What are you planning? Well, instead of going out on our regular music tonight, we are going out on a tribute to Ian's track, I Know the Lord, as composed by Peter of Pizzanta Music, who, of course, composed are our song. Are you songs. serious? <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not the remix that I'd hoped for. He was not able to remix it. He said it's not really what he does. But it is a very soothing companion track. And if you listen closely, you can hear in the background little echoes. That is hilarious. You know what? That's going to make Tori from Touchwood so happy because she <laughs> seems somewhat obsessed with that song amazing yeah she sings so, it at me every time i see her i'm like Please stop. <laughs> so yeah so get, it, that'll be playing over the uh over the outro instead of our usual exit music but you well, can i hope you will send it to me when we're done this recording absolutely okay that's funny <laughs> <laughs> so yes that is that is from peter and you get all that stuff by going to patreon.com slash ghost story guys and i'll just put this out there if we have a listener who's into doing remixes Honestly, I think that would be the most fun to hear what you would do to that poor song. I think that would be hilarious. Absolutely. Anything on, on Ian's album, I would be happy to hear a remix. So, so great. So get great. in touch. Yeah, absolutely. If for whatever reason you're not comfortable being a monthly supporter, you can always make a one-time donation to us at paypal.me slash ghostoryguys or by sending that to ghostoryguys at gmail.com. And of course, we'll give you a shout out on the show. We know some people have chosen that option in the past weeks and we really appreciate it. So that is... Uh, that's an option too. Next up is listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. We appreciate each and every one of you who get in touch with your comments, your questions, your gentle criticisms. We love it all. We love hearing from you guys. It reminds us you're out there that you're enjoying what we're doing. And, and that means a ton, especially over the last couple of months when doing the show became just hard because of anxiety. And, you know, we had to obviously figure out a way to do it via the internet we couldn't be in the mm-hmm. same space anymore mm-hmm. and so it's it's been a challenge but knowing you guys are out there and listening it just it makes it all worth it we actually had our best month ever last month nice yeah which which was wonderful because we had a poor month before that and really the month before that as well things kind of really tapered off during uh during the, the turducken and obviously turducken is still not over you know no. this is still a going concern we're very lucky yeah. where we live um but i know that other people are not so yeah Again, be safe, you know, keep distant and, and yeah, just uh, look out for one another. Yeah. But thanks to you again, we had our, we had a great month and we had a lot of people reach out and those people are Kelsey, Lexi, Raven, Devin, Ramon, Liz, Sarah, Ken, Gustavo, Brian, Lily, Claire, Jennifer, Tyler, Candice, Wendy, Catherine, BJ, Zach, Emerald, Anna, Blake, Paula, Cassandra, Megan, Sarah, Sean, Claire, Elaine. Thank you so much for reaching out. And I want to send a special thank you to our patron, Laura, 
who heard me talking about some problems I was having with anxiety, some physical symptoms of anxiety that I was coping with. Uh, mm-hmm. she, it's on mm-hmm. a cabin fever episode. And she got in touch to say that she had exactly the same symptoms and that they were mm-hmm. very much anxiety. Uh, because I, you know, I, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac and it just my body is, I think, slowly gearing down from the, you know, just a constant nightmare that we've been going through. Right. And um, this thing turned, it started and it was, it was sort of rearing me back up again. And she got in touch to say that you know, she had gone through a pretty intense period of anxiety. Uh, and she said this was very much one of the things she experienced. So that, that really helped put my mind at ease. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, yeah. So I want to say just specifically, Laura, thank you so much for, for reaching out, for taking the time. Cause that, that made a difference in my day. So yeah. that, that meant a lot. Thank you. That's awesome. We're, we're so lucky, man. We're so yeah, lucky. You know, know, we, we were talking earlier about shows that have been showing support for the black lives matter movement, as we talked about at the top of the show, and they've had really negative feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had some really, really ugly feedback and we haven't had that. No. All the messages we've received have been positive. That's because all had, of our listeners are awesome. That's it. We're so lucky. We're yeah, so, yeah, so we're, lucky. We really are. So we, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Thank you so, so much. And if you want to get in touch, guys at gmail.com is a way to go. If you've got a story you want to share or you just want to say hi, you can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash theghoststoryguys, Facebook at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys. Although I haven't done much with Facebook lately because I am disgusted with Mark Zuckerberg. And Twitter at twitter.com slash ghoststoryguys. If you have a story, though, the best way to send it to us is via email at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com or via the ghost line. There's something strange in your neighborhood. What are you going to call ghost line? Call one triple eight five eight eight six nine two zero. Thanks to our listener, Amber Pease, for our ghost line jingle. Again, that number is one triple eight five eight eight six nine two zero. And that's a toll-free number available to, I believe, everyone in North America. If you want to leave a story to us as one or a series of voicemails, or if you just want to leave a message for the show, you can do that too. It's not limited to stories. You got something you want to say and you don't feel like sending an email, call mm-hmm. the ghost line at one 588 6920 Or you can text us at 925-553-4789. That's a U.S. number, just so you know. There may be an international texting charge. It just depends on your carrier. And you can send us images. And I forgot to mention that one listener sent us this great picture. As I recall, it was something to do with a bear farm. Oh, okay. And of course, you know, we've had... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We, yeah, we've had the, the, the reference to the bear farm on the show. I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. I don't... Actually, I don't know if they mentioned their name. But yeah, so th- that was a lot of fun. And thank you for sending it. And yeah, if you want to send... You want to send a story, send us a message. And we will try and get those messages on the show. It's hard to read email on the show because it's quite lengthy. Yeah. But if it's, you know, 140 characters or 250 characters, it's a heck of a lot easier to uh, to get that into the show. So, again, that number is 925-553-4789. As for news, we actually have a couple things. Uh, we have our new Dark Arts series. Yes. Very the, cool. Oh, so excited about this. The artist Wanda Frazier, who we have talked about on the show, she designed the sticker that goes out to our patron, our $5 patrons. She approached us about doing some dark folklore-inspired art that is outside of her usual wheelhouse, but she was feeling really inspired. And so we are going to be hosting that on our social media, primarily our Instagram, because again, I, I just, I'm not crazy about Facebook. Wanda has started with Rahu or Za, which is the Tibetan guardian of the underworld. And it is a fantastic image. And I've seen 
the next three images. They'll be posted twice a week on Monday and Friday, and they are truly chilling. Very cool. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. So again, keep an eye on Instagram.com slash The Ghost Story Guys for those. And I again, I'll try and remember to cross post to the Facebook page as well. But uh, Wanda has done an incredible job with these things, and they are creepy as hell. So we want to make sure <laughs> as many people as possible see them. And the other thing I want to mention is our featured artist series, which is something we've been doing again over on the Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm a creature of Instagram. And what we're doing is in our stories every day, every day, there is a 15 second sample of a different musical track. And so we, every week is a different artist. Every weekend is a different artist. It's an opportunity for us to share music in a way that we just can't do on the show. You know, we can't play too much different stuff on here. We kind of are limited. Uh, so this is a way for us to share artist stuff on Instagram mm-hmm. and so you guys can hear it. And again, I'm going to try and make more of a point of posting it to other places as well. But if you want to check out the Ghost Story Guys, Artists of the Week and Artists of the Weekend and our randomly featured artists, sometimes if someone associated with the show has a new single, we'll put up a little advertisement for them there. That's all on our social media and make sure to check it out because there are some fantastic artists that we've been featuring. I've just been doing these deep dives into band camp trying to find new people and some pretty pretty brilliant stuff out there so yeah make sure to awesome. check that out if you want to pick up some ghost story guys merch head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com from there you can connect to our t public store there's also the redbubble store which is ghoststoryguys.redbubble.com if you do buy something make sure to forward us a copy of the receipt and we will send you a couple uh, ghost story guys logo stickers as a thank you if you want to buy signed copies of our books or art cards with my night photography, head on over to ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. And again, we have signed copies of my book, Strange Little Place, Ian's book, Victoria's Most Haunted, art cards, and we also have pins as well. And we can ship those all over the world just with varying degrees of cost if we're shipping, of course. And uh, yeah, that's where to find those. That's ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. We would love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes. Again, just increases our visibility. And uh, every week we get this email with our new reviews. And this is kind of a nice little pat on the back. You know, we're artists. We like these things. We're sensitive. <laughs> our theme song is Radio, Into the Darkness We Go. It's composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find more from him on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Music. He has a new album coming out, uh, Lo-Fi Evening 4. That will be out, uh, I believe, next week. So keep an eye on Spotify for that. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. You can find more from them by going to hexagram.bandcamp.com. That's Hexagram with two X's, not three. They're also available everywhere you stream your music. All other music and sound effects on this show are courtesy of Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for pod-safe music or sound effects for your next project, head on over to epidemicsound.com and check them out. I guess that's going to do it. We'll be back in two weeks with another show, and until then... Into the darkness we go.
the new configuration of our office with the cool floor means I can actually, with my headphones on, wheel over to the coffee machine and wheel back without ever getting up. You know, there's half of me that, that says, yay, and the other half goes, oh, man, that's bad. <laughs> right? I'm torn. I'm between two worlds here. I may spend the rest of my life just rolling around. It sounds like a pretty great idea. I mean, it until kind of you watch in- Wally. <laughs> okay. Well, it's going to ruin my fun like that. Well, because I'm pretty sure that's my future. So <laughs> I'm watching it and I remember watching it and everyone's like, oh my God. And I'm like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, this tracks. This tracks. Yeah, this makes actual sense to me, unfortunately. What the fuck? Right? What the? The not? What is even happening there? Are we good to go or are you still waiting? Uh, hold on. Almost there. I have a very large mug. <laughs> Of course you do.